What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I'm Noah Hiles. I'm Alex Stump. And Alex, we will not be seeing Chris Archer pitch for a little bit longer than we normally would expect to because he has suspended five games. Oh, man. And that is the, the biggest news in the world of Pirates baseball today on Tuesday as we were recorded as... Oh, whole bunch of words just got jumbled up in my mouth right there. They all came out as once? Yes, they all did. Uh, as we are recording... Today, just an hour before you arrived to my apartment to record, uh, they announced, the MLB announces, Chris Archer, Yasiel Puig, both suspended for what happened on Sunday. Uh, Archer gets five games. It's uh, They're able to appeal that. Mm-hmm. I believe the Pirates probably will. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is just one start. So Yeah, and if they time it well with the appeal, I mean... They have a couple off days in the same yeah. day coming up soon. He won't actually miss a start. So, way. yeah, there you go. Um, That's why it's almost impossible to suspend starting pitchers. Did you, if they really yeah. wanted him to miss a game, they it should have suspended 10. him. Or nine. Yeah. So, thoughts on the suspension? I mean, I know that you said it's it's really kind of a slap on the wrist. Even, yeah. even if you make him miss one start, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I will say, I am in the camp that I am... Totally fine with Archer dancing after striking out a batter, but if he does, he has to take it if he hangs a meatball yeah. that Dietrich puts into orbit. Mm-hmm. That was very immature, and it, there's no way to slice it where Archer is in the right. Yeah, and that. he has a history of that, actually. Like, I look back um, where he would get mad about other guys. Like, he had a history against the Boston Red Sox where yeah. uh, well, they, he, would, he would take... yeah with. Tampa Bay and the Red Sox, where they were at each other's throats. And he was in the middle of that. But I will say this. If you're going to throw at a guy because you're mad about him showing you up, I think Archer did it the right way. You throw at his ass. Nah. I I mean, well, I mean, if you're going to at all, because I would rather you throw at at his butt and then you throw it behind him rather rather than you go high and tight. Yeah, Because you're not going to do any damn. That's where I'm going with it. You don't, you don't, I mean... Yeah, you could try to put one in his back, like put one on his back, or hit him in the ribs or something. But I, I like throwing at the butt because if you miss his ass, more than likely you're either gonna hit him in the thigh, which is not a bad place to get hit by a baseball, all things considered, or you're just gonna throw it behind him, which looks bad. But in reality, it sends just as clear of a message, and you get a chance to strike him out, which Archer did. Yeah. That's that's the way I like to go about it. I mean, I guess if you have to really just throw at cry someone. and throw at someone, there's never a situation where you do throw at someone for that. For now, that, I, yeah. For that, like, I I could look the other way, I suppose, if there was, like, whenever Chris Coughlin took out Jung Ho Gong yeah, you got in 2015, it's like, you're getting hit. Yeah, There's sorry. no other way around Anthony this. Rizzo should have been hit last year. On the slide home when yes. he took out Diaz. If I could kind of look the other way, that but whenever if your ego is that fragile, there is no way to do it. I don't care if you're aiming for his ass, his head, behind him. Whatever. And I, I will say this though: you do it on the first pitch. You do yeah. it on the first pitch. You don't do it when the guy steps in and you throw a regular pitch. And like that the basically says hitting cut. Yeah, in twenty fourteen. That that basically says once the first once the at bat starts and you throw a normal pitch. As a hitter, you don't you shouldn't have to be on guard after that. If you're gonna have to wear one, it's gotta come on the first pitch. Cause after that it's kind of a punk move. That all being said, I absolutely loved 
the melee that took place on Sunday. There really wasn't much. It was, I, I liked it. It was Puig versus the world. Yeah, and you know what? Why not? But when you say world, I will say that the Pirates, you know, they stood up for each other, which I liked. I liked I liked Vasquez coming out of his workout in the clubhouse, <laughs> just knowing that he's got to have his team's back. I like Josh Bell getting in the middle, basically saying, any takers? No? Okay, I'm just going to laugh. Uh, I, I liked uh, Cervelli showing some fire. You know, there, there's been times with this Pirates team, they, they didn't really show a lot of balls, I thought, in the past. And this team, say what you want about them, they have each other's back. And for it might not have been for the right reason this time, but at the end of the day, I don't really hate the idea of this team trying to bully someone, saying, yeah, we get to celebrate, we get to be cocky, but when you're in our stadium, you don't get to do any of that. You don't get to admire your long shot. You don't get to do it. I know it sounds barbaric. I know it sounds stupid. I know it's not really a balanced take it all, but why not? Why not just be a bully and be a badass on your home turf? You want to be a bully and be a badass on your home turf? Yeah. Don't throw two away against the Cardinals. Don't lose 10 nothing to the Cubs the next day. Well, that, that you're not nothing... being a bully if you beat up the weak kid. Like, the, the Cincinnati Reds. Well, like, are they fortunately, the it almost took 10 games for us to realize that all that all those 2014 good players, that they, players that haven't been good for yeah. five years, pretty much, or have been sporadically good on and off since then, aren't going to make them well, into the a bully playoff thing. Team. I mean, the bully thing, yeah, like, you, you lose to the Cardinals, that's fine, but that was in the past. I'm saying, in that series... Yeah. Okay, that you, was in you, the past, and, and then but the next day they the get thing. their ass kicked. Well, well, here's... Well, yeah, I mean, that's... That, we're going to talk about that in a second. But my thing about the Red series was you call them like the, the worst team in the division, which you and I both thought was going to happen. But a lot of people, pretty much, I didn't see many publications at all that picked the Pirates finishing ahead of the Reds. No. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't really say that that was like an, a little kid that they are beating up because the Reds had a, a lot more hype. Than I, the Pirates. So I do like I them basically was, staying, saying, one down. The Reds are dead. The Reds, Reds are dead. Yeah, it's a four-man division. Our RIP uh, to the Cincinnati Reds. It was a nice yeah. one week that you got to play meaningful baseball. Yeah, if even. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're a little biased. We knew Pirates more than, you know, most national media. Yeah. And for that extent, we probably know the Reds better than most national media because we see them, you know, 19 times a year. And they suck. Yeah. They're just not this good. team was fur- this team was further away from the playoffs than two number three starters and two two war outfielders. I'm going to enjoy though the Cincinnati Reds fire sale. Yeah, I think there's some meat on that I've been, caucus that I've been I think the Pirates that since should. January. I know, but there's some yeah. meat on that caucus that I wouldn't mind the Pirates maybe picking off. Yeah. Every once in a while, maybe a couple little guys that we'll get into later. Uh, so your your takeaways on the fight? Anything? Uh, I'm, I'm saving my. One big takeaway. Your one big takeaway. I thought it was an awesome picture. Some awesome photos. Yes, the, the Renaissance one, paintings were beautiful. Yeah, the one with, like, they compared it to the Game of Thrones thing. Uh, that was cool. And then the other one with, uh, who's the coach that had him? Prince. The, yeah, Prince. Prince, pretty much, you know, lowering, you know, perfect form. Just putting the shoulder mm-hmm. right onto him. Uh, Tucker Barnhart holding on to Puig's ankle. And, uh, you know, you just see, like, Trevor Williams, like, how dare you... How dare you on the Sabbath bring this hate into my <laughs> ballpark? And then, and Cervelli's in the background, just like looking for her avenue to get after him. Yeah, not thrilled about Archer's actions. I will say that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I like to see the team have a little bit of fire. 
I'll leave it at that. And that might sound like uh, an old-school Yinzer take that you, as a Sabermetrics guy, you don't really get involved with those. But, you know, I feel like this team had a... This franchise in general, there hasn't been a lot of sparks. So it's nice to see something. Even if it's, a, if, if it's something on fire that doesn't need to be on fire, sometimes it's just nice to see a flame. Alex has nothing to add. No. All right. <sighs> Something that should be lit on fire is uh, Kevin Newman's wow, bluff. Wow, that is a transition. That is where and we transition. Hat. Something that should be lit on fire is Kevin Newman's glove. Uh, statistically, he had the worst inning as a Pirate shortstop in the last 119 years. Yeah. That is, that is impressive. I can't even be mad about... Just seeing how bad he played in that second inning. It's, I, oh, it's, I can. I mean, yeah, you can. <laughs> but it's almost incredible. And the the error that started it, obviously, that sucked. And then there's the play where he had two errors in the same instance, where he misfielded the ball and threw it away. Yeah. But I think something that people are also sleeping on was he probably should have got to that ball that Baez hit. That's the Baez ball and the Zilbris ball also. Oh, that was up the middle? Yeah. Was that the one off his... Was that the one? No, Rizzo hit the one off. Rizzo Tyon's hit head. the one off Tyon's head, but the sequence went. He throws the ball away. Runner in scoring position. You pretty much have to walk the eight hitter to yeah. get to Lester. Lester gets a hit, and that's on Jamo. That's on Jamo. But I also don't blame Jamo that much because you're not going to try to be fine to John Lester. You're just trying to get out of the inning with a decent enough pitch count. It was starting to get up there. Just throw him a strike. Let John Lester beat you. Lester beat him. Okay, and then he gets the next, Zobris hits that ground ball that goes right under Newman's glove. He was positioned pretty well. I really think he should have gotten to that ball. If he would have, then it would have just been one unearned run that inning. It is a completely different game. I mean, there's a lot of would-ofs with that. There, there were, that whole inning was a whole lot <laughs> I mean, of would If he threw the ball correctly, there would have been zero unearned runs. I mean, yes. the bias thing, though, like, I get that maybe you're... You're thrown off by him even putting that ball in play. But the reaction time, if you look at the replay on that, I mean, he was just dead in his tracks. I, I think that even Eric Gonzalez probably is able to at least get close enough to get a glove on it. I don't know if he pulls it in, but, I mean, Newman was nowhere near it. That guy that guy was in outer space that inning. I mean, that was, yeah. that was really tough to watch. And stuff like that, I know he hit the walk-off uh, on Saturday, and I know that... He's the first round pick, and there's not much behind him. Aside, I mean, there's Cole Tucker, but he's not major league ready. No, he's uh, not. But it, it, stuff like this makes you wonder: like, is does this guy belong in the big leagues yet? Because I, I mean, I don't know what else there is. I mean, there was a lot out there this past offseason that we ignored. But I mean, I know this is what we got, but I don't know if this is good enough. Like, no. Like, I mean, again, I said this the last episode, and people are going to laugh, but, like, let me ask you again. Would you, would you rather give a Denny Hechevarria a deal right now than have Newman on your team? They're not going to do that. No, they're one. not, I but know I'm just saying. Yeah, okay, but in that grand scheme of things, no. Still no. I mean, because I don't think a Denny Hechevarria is really an upgrade. Defensively? As an overall player. 
as terrible as Gonzalez is at every single time he gets on base, he has to make a base running mistake. It's funny. It's <laughs> like I put it to our Slack chat, you know, after he got thrown out trying to stretch a double into a triple with two outs and the pitcher up coming up. It's like, has he done anything that has been unconditionally good? That so to me far. that to me is a reflection. I'm gonna sound real old here. That's a reflection of uh, the showcase era. Not knowing you don't make the final out at third. Not knowing that the pitcher's hitting behind you. Not Did knowing. Send him? Not know. I, it doesn't matter. It like, really doesn't matter. You should have that in your head. You should know, and that's again the showcase era. And if people don't know what you're ta- uh, what I'm talking about here, it's because you know a lot of players today they're better athletes than we've ever seen, but. You only learn the game of baseball, or a lot of people have only learned the game of baseball from having it spoon-fed to them by coaches and instructors, and they simply know how to to hit and look good in a showcase, really. Mm -hmm. And they don't really know the game. And making as many fundamental errors on the bases as Eric Gonzalez does... I mean, and Marte, I think, is a pretty good example of it, too. I know he steals a lot of bases, but he makes a lot of bonehead plays. It's the mm-hmm. showcase era of talent, and you see it quite frequently on this Pirates team, where their head's not always in the game, and it's probably because it's only been taught to them they didn't learn it out of interest. Like, you know, players in the past did. They didn't learn it on their own. It was something they learned in a classroom, but the classroom was actually a baseball field. But nonetheless... It was taught to them rather than them learning it on their own. And that's where these mistakes are happening. And Eric Gonzalez is a perfect example of that. Just a side rant. Any thoughts? I don't know if there's really anything to add. Jose Iglesias would have looked really good in a Pirates uniform. Is it is it ridiculous to say that this Pirates team, I'll just put the cap at two, would they have won two more games out of these first nine if they oh, had yeah. Jose Iglesias They would, as they would have won on opening, or the home opener. I'll, I'll say opening day, they lose that game. Okay. I'll, I'll give that one away. But the home opener, man, that was like, that was like I, I want to watch that again and just play the Benny Hill. Like, I want to play that music just for three, four, five innings on repeat. Like, after the seventh, after I left. Like, that game just went to hell. Um, and then the 11th, or the game on Wednesday, the second loss of the Cardinals, were there yeah. defensive errors? In, that wasn't a defensive game. That was Kella allowing. Yeah, I think that was the bullpen rather than the yeah. defense. So I'll say I'll say two. You'll say two? I mean, yeah, they definitely win the home opener. And I don't know if they win the Chicago game or not. We'll never know because that yeah, game I got mean, out of hand before. Like I, I think it was really you know they they threw in the towel after the third inning. Oh, for sure. Like, why not? Third. Your pitcher just took one off the head. He's already got like fifty four pitches or something like that through two yeah. innings. Screw it. You're down six runs. Just throw the towel in. Let the Cubs have this one. Fly the W. Play go Cubs go. Let's go back to the hotel. Now let me ask you this about Newman as we wrap up this first part of the show here. If you're Clint Hurdle, would you have taken him out or do you stick with him for you that you got to stick with him in that game, especially whenever it's a lost cause. I mean, but you you can't do worse than the worst inning in 119 years, kid. But what if he do, what if he ends the game with like two more errors? Do you let him get a That's fifth tough. error? That's tough. And he's, he just goes that like he's just a not top 10 play for the whole year. Yeah. I mean, that's I just keep going on and on. 
at that point, there comes a point where it was a tipping point. Now, if the Pirates had rallied for a couple runs and this it was actually a ball game, then yeah, I would take him out. But with the game out of hand, it's no, learn it, wear it. So is that more embarrassing than uh, Polanco falling in the outfield? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, At Wrigley? Because Cubs fans have seen some pretty freaking embarrassing defensive miscues from the Pirates. No, no. Polanco is by far the worst. It was one instance, though. Yeah. But that, that ruined like a really good comeback that we still probably never forget. No. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, well. All right. So now we are going to move on to our next portion of the show, our first interview of Season 2. And it will be with Craig Riley, the new pre- and post-game show host. Alex had to dip out on us. He had a hot date. What was it Anna Kendrick? Was that her name? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, he was. He, he had to dip out early on Sunday, so I stuck around and interviewed uh, Craig Riley of 93.7 The Fan, the Pirates' new pre- and post-game show host. If you are a die-hard fan of this team, Craig Riley is someone that you will have no problem listening to. You will have no problem becoming a fan of Craig Riley simply because of how he chooses to cover this team. So, enjoy this interview. So joining me now, making his first appearance on the River Blast podcast, is the new guy in town as far as Pirates media, I guess you could say. He rolls his eyes because he's been in this business a lot longer than I've been. It's uh, Craig Riley of 93.7 The Fan, the pre- and post-game show host for your Pittsburgh Pirates, and uh, my fellow co-worker. Craig, uh, we just watched what I, I mean, I've been to a lot of Pirates games. I would probably say this was the most fun that I've had at the ballpark. It's one of the most entertaining games. When yeah. you get Chris Archer on the mound, who's a fiery guy to begin with, and you get to see him pitch, it's fun. You see Josh Bell hit one of the farthest home runs I've ever seen. You see a guy put a ball into the river. You see a fight on the field. You see the Pirates come back to get the win. Yeah, pretty entertaining game. I mean, it, le- it legitimately had it had everything. Like Alex, our, my co-host, you know, tweeted it like the Stefan meme from SNL. And, uh, I mean, it, it really, I mean, it had a whole bunch of offense, and then you saw Archer pitching at his best after the brawl. I mean, the quotes after the game were incredible, and uh, you've got to feel, and this is going to be airing on Wednesday, so the Pirates will have played the Cubs once more, uh, or just once, actually, after after this Red Series. But speaking as of right now, where the Pirates are 5-3, and three, just completed a four-game sweep, you got to really like how this team is looking, right? Yeah, we've talked about the Pirates pitching, and is it they're this good or the Reds are this bad? It's a little bit of both, but it doesn't matter because the Pirates are still getting the job done. I feel great about this team right now. We worried about the defense, and it has had its issues, but obviously not that can't be overcome if they're 5-3 and three right now. We worried about the bats. They've shown out in a big way right now. You have to feel great about them. And then the pitching has been the key since day one. And it's been there. there. There's a lot to like about this team already because they're winning in a way you thought they were going to have to win games. Now, a guy that you have been really high on since the season started and that some anonymous scouts weren't necessarily high on was uh, Josh Bell. And Josh Bell has been red hot as of late. And he hit the 474-foot home run on Sunday. The day before that, he hits a home run and has two doubles. Um, you know, talk about what you like from him you know you've just always been in his corner 
I like Josh Bell the person. I, I produced mm-hmm. the, the station, the fan as well, and we had Josh Bell on early in his career, and we've had him on a lot throughout. I just like the person. He's a really smart guy. He, he really thinks things through, and, and it's just a fun guy to talk to. But then he's also a fun guy to watch play. Maybe not in the field. But he, he's an interesting guy to watch play in the field. But at the plate, there's just something different about him. It's that swing. that When he hits like, like the short arm swings, he's a switch hitter, which is a fun thing that you don't see a ton of guys doing. And he's a guy that has the type of power to hit the fourth longest home run in PNC Park history. So you combine all of that. It's a big reason why I'm in his corner. I'm of the belief that last year was a sophomore slump. We heard Neil Huntington talk about it today, that so many guys that second year, the league adjusts to them. It takes a while to adjust back. I thought in September last year we saw Bell start to figure that out. Now, at the beginning of this year, it looks like he has figured something out. He's hitting the doubles. He's hitting home runs. But more importantly than anything is the cleanup hitter, which they have established. He is their number one cleanup hitter. That's the guy. Clint Hurdle put his faith in him. About halfway through spring, he said, no, I'll put him in the four hole, that's it. He's driving in runs. There's nothing more you can ask for a guy like that. So even in the first couple of games where his average was down, he was still driving in runs. What more could you ask for from a guy? So you talked about how you worked with the fan. Let's talk about how you approached this new job that you got. And, you know, enough about the Pirates. Let's hear more about Craig, Craig Riley, the man behind the microphone. Um, you started at the fan the first year. Right? Day one. Day, day one since the, the station switched to the all-sports format. And uh, this is your first all, all full-time on-air opportunity. Right, yeah, regular on-air position. Yeah. I, I had a couple shifts here and there in the past that I've done. Uh, did a podcast with Chris Muller. That we first don't time do, a long time? Yeah, we don't do any more just because we've gotten so busy now with different things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been there since day one. And if you, you're asking about how I approach this job, yeah, uh, I told people when I was first approached about it that I'm a fan of these teams born and raised in Pittsburgh, I'm not going to shut it off. I'm not like, and there are people that have to be this way, unbiased about the teams. The beat writers, people like that, you have to cover the team a certain way. I don't. I have the luxury, and this is how I look at it, I have the luxury of still being a fan of these teams, and that's how I want to talk about them. So people were okay with that. They liked the idea of it. I feel like Jack Zarensic and I playing off each other, Jack being a grizzled old veteran of the major leagues in a way that I'll never understand, it plays off each other nicely. So the way, if you tune in to a show that I'm doing, you're probably going to hear me saying things that you say to your friends when you're talking about games, because that's the perspective I give. I have people like in my family and friends that I talk to all the time about sports. So all I'm trying to do is bring the conversations I've had with them onto the air and relay that because that's how I think people talk about the games anyways so why not do a show like that do you think that's where the field of media is starting to shift to with just the way the world is now where it it pays to be polarizing I guess and it pays to be loyal to your group you see like websites uh like blogs and essentially they're they're getting the clicks that tv stations and radio stations websites are desperately trying to get and this this non-biased style of journalism is kind of fading, is it not? Yeah, the, the thing that you said that really sticks out to me is being loyal. I'm not loyal to the teams, per se, and I don't think that's what you were saying. You're loyal to fans. I'm loyal to the fans mm-hmm. in that I will always give to them my absolute honest opinion and emotions about a game. I will go way over the top when things are good, and I'll be way over the top when things are bad. But I can always promise that that's what you're going to get for me is an emotional reaction, an emotional feel about this. Because, like I said, I've been a fan of these teams since birth. 
I can't shut that off, nor will I ever. So if, the, if you're asking, is that the way things are going? I think so. And it's not even necessarily why I've crafted my on-air persona that way. I hate saying that on-air persona. It's like saying my hashtag brand. Like yeah. that turns my stomach. But I'm just being me. So if that's the way I'm viewed, like this is just who I am. It's how I watch these teams. It's the emotional roller coaster fans ride watching them. I'm right along there with them and not in like a fake way or anything. It, it's truly how I take this in as a fan still of the teams. Now, you produced for the PM team, yep. Pony and Muller, before that, Starkey and Muller. Uh, before you, that, Starkey, Miller, and Muller. Before that, Starkey and Miller. Before that, Starkey, or Seibel, Starkey, and Miller. Before that, uh, Seibel and Starkey. There we it's go. It's been crazy. Yes, it has been. So, you've worked <laughs> with, I mean, you just named off a whole bunch of guys who have very notable careers in sports talk and as a fellow producer myself I've done more in studio stuff for the AM but when you get to work with people who've been doing this for a very long time and knowing that it's something that you want to do you kind of take mental notes and it's it's kind of like you're getting reps even when you're not on the air what do you see yourself doing now with your first regular on-air opportunity that you can attribute to being around the likes of Mahler, who's a good, obviously good friend of yours, Pony, who's mm -hmm. a good friend of yours, Starkey, who I would say is a pretty good friend, but more like also like a mentor to you and other guys like that. So there's different things from different guys. Like there are certain things I can't replicate, like working with Jack Zarensic now and having worked with Josh Miller. I can't put myself in the shoes of a guy who played the sport in Josh and Jack or a guy like Jack who's a front office executive. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is always take in everything they have to share with me. Jack and I have done, like, what, seven games together now? Eight, if you count the one we did last year. And Jack has shared so much information yeah. to me about what goes on really behind the closed doors of baseball that I think you'd be crazy not to try to learn something from everybody. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what now. The best time to work with Jack is during the trade deadline. Like, the trade season, that week of it is the most insightful you will ever see him. And he's, like, an incredibly insightful guy. You should look forward to that because, I mean, he A, he has, like, all the sources. Like, he yeah. knew, he knew they sent scouts to look at Archer and Kella before everyone else. And just that the information he can give you on that week is awesome. Didn't mean to interrupt you. But no, 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 but, like, you think about Jack. He was executive of the year with the Mariners. Mm -hmm. He signed Robinson Cano to a $250 million contract. He has experiences in his life that I will never even come close to touching. So I take what I can from guys like that in positions that I'll never be able to obtain. I'm never going to be a professional punter in the NFL like Josh. I'm never going to be an MLB executive of the year like Jack. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> no, like Jack was. So I take everything I can from those guys. And then you look at the people. Will you ever be a savvy old newshound? No, no, I can't. No. Joe's too. He's unbiased. Yeah. That's his thing. And, mm -hmm. and, well, he's Except for Buffalo. That uh, Buffalo always has his heart. Yeah. But that's the thing that. Even though I do it differently than Joe maybe approaches it, that I do it from a fan perspective, there are still things to be learned from guys like him, the work ethic, that it never shuts off. And you see something, it's something I've learned from Chris Muller. So speaking of it never shutting off, social media, you get hate from people. You have to be able to shut that off. So you even learn stuff like that from different guys. And Chris has taught me a lot about that, that you you're going to hear a lot of stuff from a lot of people. You just tune it out and do your thing. And then something I've learned from Andrew is talking with him about how I want to do shows from a fan perspective. He said the key is then of matching the tone of what the fan is. It's easy when you want to do a show the way I want to do to still get caught up in here's the numbers, here's this and here's that. But 
you still have to think, okay, how am I reacting to this as a fan? And you always want to match that because you want to resonate with your fans. In the past, it was about, like you said, being unbiased mm -hmm. and, and giving them, here's what's going on in sports. You tell me that about this and you tell me about that. Well, people can get all the information they want from anywhere. You have to have opinions and be entertaining to people. And I think this is my best avenue to try and achieve that. So... I remember listening to your podcast, actually, mm -hmm. first time, long time, and I remember you talking to Chris about how you, the Pirates are probably your favorite team out yeah. of all the Pittsburgh sports teams, so for this to be your first on-air opportunity, and, and obviously, you know, you'd like to have your own show, you know, from three to seven or something like that, something stable, the hours of this are kind of crazy, and yeah. it's always changing, and you kind of get thrown into the fire here, but to be able to be... Not necessarily the voice, because that's Greg and Joe, but to be the guy that brings people into the game or captures the emotion in the recap of the game of a team that you've covered, not not covered, but just watched as a fan, grew up as a fan. You know, we've shared our memories together just from the couple games we've worked together already this year. Um, how cool is that, that this is like your first time getting to do all this? I tweeted it out when it was first announced that... Like, saying it's a dream come true is, like, short of really pitching it to people is the way it is for me. Mm. To be able to do something that I love, which is talking sports, to make a living out of it is more than I could have ever hoped for. But to incorporate what has been my favorite team my entire life in the sport of baseball, to make that the first full leap into it is something I couldn't have ever even dreamed of. Like, I go back to... I have so many weird ties to the Pirates. I was sauerkraut Saul twice in the pierogi race. Yeah, he's 0-2 in his <laughs> career of uh, racing as a pierogi. I was going to leave that out. Um, in 2005, on opening day, I won the Box of Mystery and won a trip paid for by the Pirates to see them play the Red Sox in Boston. To even something like my uh, grandma on my dad's side, she had this little like transistor radio that she like hotwired a battery to it that was bigger than the radio itself. Never missed a game. Listened to every game. Didn't you even get your uh, engagement photos taken out in front of uh, yeah, PNC Park? We did a bunch through Pittsburgh. But yeah. We took a ton outside of PNC Park, which one of the stories I told you about. Yeah. We took one by home plate. There's the hotel yeah. across the street. There's a naked guy in the back yeah, of those pictures. Yeah, that came so up because fun. Craig and I were walking uh, to go to a press conference before the game, yep. and the Hyatt is right across the street from us, and uh, there was a naked lady. Just window wide open. I mean, she probably had no idea. She's like on like the what looked to be like the fifteenth floor. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just naked lady like walking around right in front of the window. Craig pointed out so casually, like. It was. I'm not stunned it by it because my own engagement photos took place with a naked guy standing in the windows yeah. watching us. But yeah, like crazy ties to the Pirates. Mm -hmm. But like you said, to be able to bring everything together for me, being on the radio, talking about sports, and talking about this team specifically, is saying, like, saying it's a dream come true is putting it lightly. All right, so Craig, I guess we'll wrap it up by uh, just talking about the team and the rest of the year. You know they're they're five and three as we're recording this. Hopefully they're six and three uh, when the day this comes out on Wednesday morning. Um, even if they're not five and four, winning record despite losing Polanco, Chisholm, Hall, Dickerson, uh, Kyle Crick, all of these injuries, uh, some younger people having to step up. What have you liked from this team, and what are your expectations moving forward? What I've liked from this team is what my concerns were. My concerns were the three big question marks. Uh, I knew the pitching would be fine, so it's been fine. There's not a whole lot more to say about that. My concerns were the defense, still verdict very much out on that front. 
But the big one that I thought mattered more than the defense but was just as big of a question mark as the offense. There were three guys that I singled out there. It was Josh Bell, Adam Frazier, and Jung Ho Gung. We had to see Gung get back into form, and I think that one's going to take the longest, and so far that's proven true. Adam Frazier playing as a regular everyday guy and having leadoff spot to himself. We had to see what he could do. And then Josh Bell and if he would bounce back from his bad uh, sophomore season. What I like is that so far that offense has proven itself in so many different ways too because you have Melky Cabrera playing regularly. Nobody anticipated that. I asked Not Neil even Melky. Yeah, I yeah, asked Neil yeah. Huntington about it before the uh, game today, and he said, yeah, like the expectation was not for this to happen, but what a tremendous effort from him so far. So you have him com- competing in right field. You have Jason Martin, who was supposed to start the season in AAA, who has like, what, 50-some games under his belt at the AAA level, coming through in key situations for this team in left field. So they're winning right now. J.B. Shuck and they're still been sh- fine. Yeah, they're yeah. still shorthanded in terms of what you expect from their offense. They're going to get Gregory Polanco back. You can't understate that because it's going to allow them to move Melky around and use him in different ways and maybe keep him fresh so he can perform better. So my expectations for this team, I said at 84 wins. I think 87 can get you a wild card. And I had always said that if the offense comes through, two of the three question marks, Bell, Frazier, and Gunn, two of the three of them come through, the offense will perform. That'll get you the extra wins to a wild card. So far, I like what I've seen to make me think that the wild card is absolutely in reach for a team like this this year if things go right. All right, Craig, thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, I mean, I won't look forward to listening to you because I'll be working with you. But You're I stuck hope, with me. Yeah, I hope that huh. the rest of uh, Pirates Nation is looking forward to listening to you on uh, 93.7 The Fan for and after every Pirates game this year. All right, once again, thank you to Craig Riley for joining us, for joining me, I guess, yeah. and uh, doing that interview. Um, really good stuff. But now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, segments. Okay. And we're going to start <laughs> off with buy, sell, trade. Alex, do you want me to go first or do you want to You went first last time. I'll go first. All right, what do you got? And I you? also love the genuine like excitement. In I love this part of the were, show. He was winding up segments. He had the finger point. He was going back, 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 back. Segments. Shooting, shooting those archer arrows. Yes. All right. All Started right. us off. Uh, my buy, I am going to buy Tom Prince a suit of armor. Okay. Because if he is going to mess with Yasiel Puig, he is going to have a tough... He he had it's, lowest, not gonna, it's not going to end well. He had lowest pad you know level. You know what? I was Prince looked jacked in that it, photo. Okay, but still. Like, Puig is... Puig is a specimen. He is uh, yeah. humongous. He's you know what? Not hell. a suit of armor. I need to get him like Iron Man suit. <laughs> yeah. Or cap shield or, or something. Or maybe just yeah. some Advil and Ben Gay. I mean, he's probably. Uh, yeah. Imagine how sore that guy is. He's probably never been in like a physical. He, or he probably has been, but not. He has not like had that kind of physical activity. You know, like trying to tackle Yasiel Puig. He hasn't had that happen to his body in years. And then and play, that happens. And, and then he's got to get. <laughs> then he's going to get on a plane and go to Chicago and wake up early the next morning. That poor guy. Yeah. So it's a tough day for him. Yes. Selling. I am selling the Archer Pine Tar rumors. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, there are definitely players who are doing something to the ball, and that's why spin rates are going up. Uh, Here's my take on this. Yes. I'm all for it. 
Do no, what you gotta do. No, no. Do what you cheap. gotta do. I don't even care. If, if No other team. And this is a wild take. But you know what? Do what you gotta do, man. If your owner's gonna make Kevin Newman pl- be your shortstop, put some freaking pine tar on your bat and strike some fools out. I did like... Or the- on, your, on your belt, not your bat. See, my yeah. brain is still mush. Uh, yeah, I don't care. Don't use steroids, because that'll affect your long-term health. But if, if you gotta be like the old guy in Major League, and you gotta have something on the brim of your hat, on your shoulder, Vaseline on ball. your be- uh, yeah, on your belt, on your elbow, you gotta do what you gotta do. Screw it, fine. I don't care if they're not gonna help. If the front office isn't gonna help them, help yourselves. I know that's not a popular take, but I if if I found out that he was doctoring a baseball, I would not care one bit. Do what you gotta do. Like you said, it's clear that people are doing this. And uh, if you get caught, oh well, you miss a start. Who cares? Do it. I I do not agree with that in general. That's fine. I, I, I just can't. But I will say, the if he does use pine tar, you use pine tar nowadays especially, the tell is fastball spin rate. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't go up. Well? It didn't go up. Maybe he's not using it right. <laughs> that would be a completely different thing. Yeah, all right. But yeah, so I'm. So I'm are selling you selling that. my take on cheating is okay? I am cheating is not okay. That is a. I'm selling that take as well. So I'm selling both of those. Okay. WrestleMania just happened. R.I.P. Uh, Eddie Greer. I lie. I cheat. I steal. That was his thing. Pirates should do that. We're pirates. We don't play by the rules. We hit people that admire home runs and <laughs> throw doctored pitches. What do you got? What are you trading for? I am trading Vasquez's nickname. Nightmare? Yeah. It's no longer Nightmare. I what? saw some stills from uh, the fight. Is it Daydream? No. Uh, I, I'm renaming Vasquez John Wick. The looks that he was giving Puig were very Keanu Reeves-esque. It's just the dude, like... It, it's like, you're dead. Make it's, a move. It's like, I, where, where is he from? Where's Felipe from? The Dominican? Ven- Venezuela? Venezuela, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. They're... The chaos, being in the middle of that brawl, or whatever you want to call it, is a calm day in Venezuela. So Vasquez is like, you know, you think the darkness is your ally. I was born, you think chaos is your ally. I was born in chaos. I have had five by it. different people quote The Dark Knight Rises to me this yes. weekend. Well, I guess it's Tuesday now, so it's not the weekend anymore, but five. It's amazing. If it's not... If it's not John Wick, it, it brought to mind another person for me, and it's Randy Marsh. That was great. <laughs> Going out shirtless, is like, what are we going to do? Huh? What are we going to do? Um, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I thought this was America. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> All right. All right, so my buy-sell trade, I am buying uh, Jason Martin as a MLB player. Hmm. Yeah, I think he's MLB ready. As a starter, probably not. But, and you know, he'll probably have to go back down once everyone gets healthy. But I didn't know what to expect from this guy. I know we've only seen him twice. Uh, but between his speed and, you know, he swings a decent bat, I think that he would be a good fourth outfielder. Oh, yeah, I mean, Fair. I think that's kind of where I see his cap. As yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Like, I, I mean... 
I mean, had people, I've more. had people say you don't re-sign Dickerson this offseason because no. Martin's ready. It's like, no, 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 no. no we're no, not going to no, do no. that. It, it's different to say they're not going to resign Dickerson, but Martin is not a replacement. They're for not going to resign Dickerson for completely other reasons. It's just because the organization's cheap. But uh, so yeah, I guess in a way we probably will have Jason Martin as our opening day left fielder next year. Uh, but uh, in a perfect world where they do re-sign Dickerson because that's the right move and it, you know might ha- make them do something uncomfortable, but it's what they should do. Jason Martin would be a very good fourth outfielder. You know, after yeah. after the milkman who we're going to talk about here in a bit after his bones just start to crumble or complete crumbling. I feel like they already are crumbling because. I mean, poor guy trying to hold back Puig. That was tough to watch. Yeah. Um, and Puig was mad at him. Yeah. So he was more mad at Cervelli, but Cabrera was in the line of fire. It was yeah. kind of a once I'm done with kicking his ass, you're next. Yeah. Type of deal. Um, yeah. I mean, Martin will be a good fourth outfit. Like, just a young guy that you could play on Sundays. You can pinch run him. Um, I don't know. Clint talked about his arm. I was not impressed by Jason Martin's arm at all. I mean, I felt it, like it was, it's too small. There's a flavor to it. I don't know. His throws uh, in his first start were just like noticeably like slow. Well, that's why they put him out and left. Huh. All right, I'm selling night games on the weekend. Uh, I'm all for Friday night, but uh, and I know Sky Blast is on Saturdays, but I really liked having back to back afternoon games this weekend. I think that's a great way for pi- I mean, everyone. Uh, the Pirates seem to think that like the weekend game should be like the big sellers, and I I gr- would agree with that. But I think the better way to market your product, rather than saying make this your Saturday night, like why not make a day of this? Come here in the afternoon, and the North Shore is right there when you're done. You can go out to the bars, or you could go out and do whatever, right then and there, and you get a full day. You get a full day of action. I I would much rather do that. I think that that's what they should be marketing. I don't know if you make this a complete thing, but I am 100% down for more, at least one a month. If you have two homestands a month, I think one of one of them should have an afternoon game on Saturday and Sunday. They usually have a late afternoon game on Saturday. Like, it starts at 4. They'll do that during football season. Yeah, but they do that during the summer usually, don't they? No, only on, like, holidays. I'm gonna look this up. I'm calling shenanigans. Here, I remember going yeah. to a lot of four o'clock games. Oh, oh wait, you've got o'clock. the you've got the magna right there. The yeah, Magna Carta. Yes, <laughs> the magnet schedule. Oh. All right, so here, let's take a look. Okay, well, four o'clock games. That's one four thing five, I like. Though I'm four talking or five seven o five. I okay. Yeah, they have a lot of four or fives. I'm saying make that one o'clock. Why not do one thirty back to back days? I like that. Nah, I, I like the four o'clock. Go watch the game. Get dinner. And drinks afterwards. All right, and I am trading for uh, Jose Iglesias in a couple months when the Reds are thirty games under five hundred in June, and uh, everyone's back and Iglesias is in, a, is in a bench role. I feel like you won't need to trade much for him, and he would make this team a lot better. I agreed. All right, I agree with that. All right, so now our next segment is uh, well said, Clint. Alex, you weren't here for this, and I didn't really bring it up to you, but. This was just a uh, very poor timing to talk about this. Hurdle uh, on Saturday afternoon, right before the game started, was talking to the media, and they were talking about rest and everything, and he started talking about biometrics and trying oh, to God. sell this idea on how advanced they are, and it literally was like 
a day after they just announced, like, their fifth guy going to the DL. And it's like, huh. If you're so great at, like, keeping guys healthy, why are will, guys not healthy? I will say... Maybe is, work on sliding yeah, would be well, my thing, be. rather than the biometrics. Maybe teach your players how to slide. The Pirates, in general, I will say, have done a good job at... Uh, staying healthy the last couple years, like they're pitching, all, especially pitching, especially. I mean, wood, but I mean the exa- obvious examples would be like Cole and Ty, not Tyon, uh, Santana. Santana, both needing Tommy John, but they didn't have anyone in the organization need Tommy John in 2017. Nobody in the minor leagues needed it in 2018. In the minor leagues, uh, 2016, I don't think anybody had TJ. No. So but like, I mean, I and, think and you could there go, are you other could, injuries that a pitcher can. That's just it. Just big one. it's just when did this start? Because like you can go further down that road, and you could say, well, they couldn't keep Tyon healthy when he was a minor leaguer. They couldn't get they they like destroyed Kingham's future. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so yeah, Kingham was the one in 2016. Yeah. No wait, his Tommy John was before, wasn't it? It was like I don't know. Yeah. Tyon. Yeah. No, his was in 16 because Tyon's was earlier than that. Who knows? They both got okay. it. Yeah. So yeah, well said, Clint. Like I get that, but like the biometrics and everything—it's uh, something you believe in. It's new. It's fresh. You've been around the game for a while, and it's interesting to you. But like, literally, when you got Colin Moran on a day where you have Colin Moran batting third, yeah. maybe just hold off on the biometric talk that day. Well, yeah, poor timing. Yeah, poor timing. I will say though that this is, at least is the right mindset for the Pirates, that they have to 100% find a niche and make it into an extreme advantage. And if they can yeah, do but that selling, with help... S- selling that you're a genius when I don't you're think not even on the honorable mention... No, but they're trying... I think that the Pirates as a, as a whole try to give off this vibe that we are smarter than everyone else when it's like, bro, like, you're not even on the Dean's list. Like, yeah. you don't even have... You're not even on honorable mention. I mean, You're, the Brewers are the smartest team in the division, and it's not even a debate. Yeah. I mean, you could say the Cardinals are smart for getting rid of Mike uh, Mike, uh, Mike Matheny. Yeah, it took a couple years. <laughs> it took a couple years, but they, they finally figured it out. Yeah. All right, and uh, to close off our show, sink or float, Melky Cabrera, the milkman, once he catches his breath that he's still trying to catch uh, since Sunday, um, he should get regular at-bats uh, when everyone is healthy. What's your definition of healthy? Are like, you talking because the when, way it's looking right now is that Polanco and June. Dickerson are going to be getting off the DL roughly the same time. Yeah, June. No, no. If he's still hitting three hundred at that time, then maybe, maybe if he's still do you make a four? Do you make a four man outfield rotation for Melky Cabrera if he's hitting the ball as well as he is still? I think it's a three man outfield rotation throughout the first couple weeks of May. Yeah, again, yeah, I guess you're not taking Marte out of the equation. No, because no one uh, there's no, no one in that trip. Maybe Polanco dude, can hum a few dude, bars dude, in dude, right field. Put Melky in, Melky in center field. How funny would that be? It would be terrible. I think he would actually die. I think he would quit. <laughs> not retire. Like He would just say, like, I quit. Like <laughs> He would rail Mondesi his way out of town. Yeah, just, just operation Bro. shut down. No, that's Derek Bell. I know, I know, I know. But he would instead of a instead of a uh, what is it a yacht? He would just get like a pool raft and float <laughs> down the Allegheny. <laughs> oh man. Um, I have another question. I guess before we close things off, 
I apologize. One, I apologize for all my hot takes today. I'm very tired, as I said. Yes. My brain is mush. Uh, I'm not really thinking clear, but I'm firing at the hip right now. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to get the juices flowing here early on in the season, Alex. I want people to, to, to send me some hate on Twitter. Let's do that. I didn't get enough of it for my freaking video that I posted the fight. Did you see everyone critiquing my filming skills? Yeah, it's like I don't have to. Every single person. It's like, I'm sorry that Kubrick's not up in the press box yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, my, my grandfather, Martin Scorsese, you know, didn't leave that behind the last time I saw him. Like, no, mm -hmm. like, dude, I saw a fight and I grabbed my phone and started recording it. I was kind of mad because I recorded, for, I record on Snapchat because it's a better camera than the one that my phone has. Which, you know, cuts off after a minute. And after a minute of nothing, it's like, okay, I'm you know done. And I put it away. And then Puig went. You know well. how many views my video has? How many? 130,000. Wow. Yeah. I'm still getting You're famous. Uh, no, I'm not. You're going viral. I'm going viral for my horrible film. Did you link stuff. your SoundCloud? Every single person there, like every single person is saying two things. It's either you need to learn how to film it. Lands is it landscape? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, landscape. You need to do this landscape the next time. You know what? Yeah, next time Gassiel Puig tries to fight the entire Pirates roster, I will make sure I film it landscape. Um, and the other one was, have you ever watched hockey? There's <laughs> fights in hockey. Yeah, dude, there's fights in MMA too. Uh, that doesn't mean I can't enjoy this, you know? But my question for you was not that. Um, my question is, what do you do with Lonnie Chisholm? Whenever... <sighs> Can we just... He'll probably be getting back around the same time. You know, it's got to be interesting because if where do you get? I him think playing the time? original plan oh, for Galvis with the pick. We got, the, we got the Red Sox game on. Yeah, I think uh, the original plan with Melky was it, he was probably going to be DFA'd once Blanco uh, yeah. was healthy. If he's still hitting, you can't do that. No, and you know Chisholm, maybe you can put him at first base. You know, just to get him some reps. But you have to pretty much entertain the idea once he gets back. Maybe he's the one who gets DFA'd or Lonnie? traded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be tough. A but waste it, of money. Uh, it's tough to recover from a hand injury. Like, he is not... This isn't a video game where, you know, he's on the DL for six weeks and then and he's, he's back at full strength. No, he is going to be building That's himself something back that, up. That, and it stays with you. And then... How do you pepper in playing time and at bats for him when he's coming back at the same time of two guys that are far more important? Yes. And then he's also, again, going to be competing for playing time against Melky Cabrera, who mm -hmm. is providing solid contributions. And then, you know, like Jason Martin, too. Like, if he's still hitting. Martin, you like, can put Martin, down Martin, you put in AAA. I get that. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, I don't know, dude. Like, Lonnie Chisholm might never play a game for the Pirates. I mean, like... I wouldn't go that far, but I wouldn't be 100% shocked. Yeah, like, what? where do you... Do you even waste your time? Like, we needed him for a month, and he never showed up for that month. Yeah. So just leave. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to make the infield defense even worse and put him in there. Can it get worse? Oh, buddy. <laughs> I've watched some Indians games in my day. It, it, it can. All right, Alex, any final thoughts? I, who would Tom Prince be in the Avengers? Um, Tom because Prince. Hurdle would be Nick Fury. Yeah. And then... Tom Prince wouldn't have that significant of a role, though. Like, he would be No, like, no, he would be... He'd be, like, happy. <laughs> he'd be like Robin Shabosky. 
Yeah. You, you know who that is? Yeah, yeah. The chick yeah. From How I Met Your Mother. What's her name? What's her, She's like an agent. Yeah. Agent what? Uh, you should know this. I, I really should. I, I shouldn't, but you should. I should. Well, she hasn't been in a movie for a good couple years. She was in Infinity War. She died. For like five seconds. So? She was in it. You said she wasn't in a movie for a while. That barely counts as being in a movie. I don't know. You know what? We'll go... No. Tom Prince is, uh... Who's the big... Who's the big guy from Guardians of the Galaxy? Which big guy? The one that's not a tree. Uh, Drax? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's Drax. Okay. Thoughts? I... (laughs) Or is Melky Drax? I no Melky's just not. <laughs> Melky not built is... like that. Melky is not built like that. I I kind of like Melky as Drax though. I'm I'm good. Uh, all right. Well, this is for another show. All right. We're just rambling now. Yes, we are. All right, Alex. Final thoughts. <laughs> that Tom, was my final Tom... thoughts. Melky is Drax. Final. Next episode, we'll have the full Avengers pirates comparisons. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, Maybe we'll start tweeting from that account again. I texted Jason. I haven't heard back, so. All right. He, he's big time now. He's at uh, DK. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe resubscribe again. I, no, I, I wouldn't do that one. No, yeah, it makes our numbers look better. It, what? Yeah. Ew, no. What? No, don't do that. No, if you're subscribed, we love you. No, Stay no, unsubscribe the and then resubscribe. No, no. It's... It sh- Alex, this is how you get to the top. You gotta, you gotta play the system, my friend. <sighs> Alex is a Boy Scout. I'm sorry, I forgot. Alex, Alex has never committed a sin in his life. I, I apologize. Says, <laughs> says the guy who's advocating for cheating. On yes. This episode. Yes. All right. Um. Yeah. Be sure. Just do whatever you want. Enjoy our content. Tell your friends if you want to. If not. You know, we'll probably never find out. So, yeah. And as always, you know, if you're at a game and we're at that game, if it's a Pirates Home game, we will be there. Hit us up. We'd love to come hang out with our fans. If you want us to review any other food at the ballpark as well, tell us. And uh, if it gets a number of retweets, Alex will eat it. Oh, good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Follow us on our individual Twitters at Alex J. Stump, at Noah underscore Hiles 95. And uh, that's about it. So we sign off always saying, let's go Bucks.